Welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Brickenridge in for Shea Ganim along the Chorus Radio Network. Much more still to get to on the program here today, but I want to bring our focus back to the situation in Afghanistan in uh, just how disheartening uh, recent days have been. In fact, recent years, you could argue, but I mean, just you know, after two years or two decades, rather, 20 years uh, of so much money invested, so much blood shed in Afghanistan that we're kind of back to square one. And so, yeah, in that sense, it is really disheartening uh, to see the Taliban reassert its control over the country. But I mean, it's it's also heartbreaking as well uh, to see what could have been heartbreaking to see these scenes uh, at the Kabul airport as thousands of Afghans look to flee the country because they worry about what's going to happen to them. Obviously, those that we have a moral obligation to. Uh, that worked with uh, Canadian and allied forces in Afghanistan, uh, what kind of repercussions they might be facing, and have we done enough to get them out of the country? Did we do enough to ensure we could build something in that country that they wouldn't have to flee from, that they can continue to live in safety, maybe even prosperity? in Afghanistan. So, uh, yes, as I say, it is, is very disheartening to, to see all of this unfold. Well, certainly uh, for those who, who have covered Afghanistan, much more firsthand uh, view of, of the situation, Graham Smith covered Afghanistan as a correspondent for the Globe and Mail from 2005 to 2011. He's also a co-writer and presenter of the documentary film Ghost of Afghanistan. He joins us on the line here this morning. Uh, Graham, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Nice to be with you. So uh, you've been watching it all unfold, as, as we all have. But, I mean, for you, spent a lot of time there, obviously knows a lot of people there. What have the last few days been like for you? It's been chaos uh, in recent days. Um, everyone was caught by surprise uh, by the Taliban's sudden advances right across the country. Um, really, you know, mass surrenders, huge unwillingness by chunks of the Afghan security forces to, to fight. Uh, the government simply dissolved, um, and the Taliban themselves were caught by surprise. They, they kind of weren't ready to assume control of Kabul, and so uh, the police were deserting their posts uh, before any Taliban even showed up, and so you had sort of lawlessness on the streets of Kabul. My friends were complaining about robberies and looting, um, a real sort of vacuum of power uh, in recent days. Um, you mentioned the situation at the airport, um, tens of thousands of Afghans trying to escape um, a lot of them want to get to Canada because they've heard that uh, Canada is opening its doors to people. So for those of us who've, you know, I, I spent, I don't know, uh, most of my professional life in Afghanistan, I guess, in different ways, uh, just an avalanche of uh, people getting in touch and, and trying to um, trying to get assistance with, uh, with leaving the country. Um, and on the other hand, um, you know, the silver lining, if there is one, um, is that uh, we don't have uh, the civil war that we thought was going to happen. I mean, Afghanistan was the deadliest war on the planet Earth. Uh, you know, the surges of foreign troops, including Canadian troops, uh, made this into an inferno of violence that was deadlier than all the wars in the Middle East combined. 
Uh, it was deadlier than Syria. It was deadlier than Yemen. It was deadlier than Iraq. It was deadlier than all of those added up together. So uh, the fact that today the guns are silent, uh, albeit under Taliban control, I guess that's I guess you can call that a silver lining. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people were concerned that, that this outcome would have been preceded by a lot of bloodshed, and, and I suppose that's something that, that we haven't seen that. Um, in, in terms of the Taliban, though, asserting its control and whatever repercussions might, might come from, from that, I mean, what, what are you anticipating in the days and weeks ahead here? Nobody really knows. I mean, I think the Taliban themselves don't really know what the plan is because this all happened so quickly that they didn't necessarily have a plan. Um, as I understand it, the Taliban are actually giving their first news conference as we speak right now in Kabul. Um, you know, the Taliban spokespeople, some of them uh, never showed their faces. There was a gentleman named Zabiul Mujahid um, who had been commenting to the media for years uh, from hiding, uh, believed to have been in Pakistan. And um, here he is on, you know, a main Afghan television networks now. Uh, showing his face for the first time, answering journalists' questions. Uh, so we're completely in uncharted territory, minute by minute. Um, whatever comes out of this spokesperson's mouth, you know, is now uh, what the Taliban intend to do in Afghanistan. With, you know, just today, um, some Taliban were touring the uh, state electrical facility, um, standing in front of, a, you know, the blinking lights of the control panel, uh, telling people that they intended to keep the lights on, uh, keep the electricity flowing. Um, they've been trying to give a, a, a sort of a, a feeling of business as usual. Um, but these are extraordinary times, and, um, you know, there's nothing usual about what's happening right now in Afghanistan. And it's interesting, in, in the work you did on, on this documentary, and you were in Afghanistan last in, in 2019, you know, the question of what it is that, that Afghans want, that, that, that's a pretty complicated question, isn't it? Yeah, it's a deeply divided country. Um, when I was there uh, doing these interviews for this documentary, um, it just drove home to me what I've observed, you know, over the years in, in uh, different jobs in Afghanistan. I, I worked for the UN. I worked as a, a think tank analyst. I worked as a journalist for the Globe and Mail. Um, you know, the, the society is very polarized, uh, and it's gotten more polarized during the time when we, the, the foreigners, were there uh, trying to encourage uh, our ideas about uh, how the country should be run and the Taliban pushing back with their ideas. And it got really uh, divided, especially urban versus rural. About a, about a quarter of the country lives in cities and the rest of the country lives in, in villages. And, the, you know, the villages are conservative. Um, and these are people who have been sending their sons to go fight the foreigners for the last two decades. Uh, and now those sons are in Kabul for the first time, and we're seeing these extraordinary scenes where, you know, boys with guns uh, and Taliban flags who have probably never seen a city before are now inside these urban areas. And honestly, sometimes it's comical. We saw images today of Taliban at a at a fun fair um, on bumper cars, uh, you know, and I'm sure they had never seen anything like this in their lives, uh, you know, um, and they were there with their Kalashnikovs uh, playing around uh, on these children's games. So, it, you know, it's, um, 
we're in completely uncharted territory now. What obligation do you think countries like Canada have to Afghanistan, contrary to to Afghans themselves? I mean, those who do want to flee. I mean, I, I do think we have an obligation to to provide assistance to those who, who need it. But what do you see as those obligations? Well, it's sort of like the rule when you walk into a pottery barn and something smashes, right? Like you break it, you own it. Um, I I really think that um, Canada is making a good start by uh, announcing these programs to uh, welcome Afghans in. I have to say Canada has been leading the way internationally. A lot of uh, countries have been slower than Canada in terms of throwing open the doors in these last uh, few weeks. But there's a lot more that you can do. This could be a time for a sort of angle the Merkel-style Merkel gesture of openness, saying, look, we'll take in a million people. We've got room. A lot of these are really educated, uh, motivated, entrepreneurial people. Um, they would be an asset to any society, uh, including Canada's. Uh, if they don't want to live under Taliban rule, you know, come live in Canada. Um, at the same time, the the fact that now the guns are silent for the first time uh, in Afghanistan could be an opportunity as well to just do some really basic humanitarian assistance. Um, you know, for years the Taliban controlled a population that was just enormous. By some counts, it was a population the size of Belgium, so the size of Cuba. So, you know, millions of people living under Taliban rule during the war, and now that the war is over. Um, you know, there's just these massive humanitarian needs, um, just for basic things, you know, clinics, schools, you know, whatever. And so Canada could really stay engaged with the rebuilding side of this uh, in the years ahead. Prime Minister today is saying that uh, Canada has no plans to recognize the Taliban as the legitimate government of Afghanistan. I mean, if they do end up as, as the government, which clearly it seems they are, I mean, that obviously presents a, a reality it's going to be hard for us to to get around i mean how, how do we navigate that well there's precedent for that um canada is also a donor to uh united nations uh, humanitarian efforts in yemen as you probably know uh, the northern half of yemen is controlled by the houthis uh uh, sort of an Islamist militia that's not recognized by the international community as a government. Uh, and yet, UN people are on the ground, um, funded by generous donors like Canada, um, putting food into you know mouths of hungry children. That you know, literally millions of Yemenis are being fed every month by the United Nations in rebel-held territory. So this idea of recognition, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the Taliban would like that uh, from Canada. But uh, more important right now are these urgent humanitarian needs. We'll leave it there for now. Graham, appreciate your insight on all this. Thanks for making some time for us here today. Thank you so much. All the best. Uh, that's uh, Graham Smith. He was the uh, Afghanistan correspondent for the Globe and Mail. Reporting from that country from 2005 to 2011, was back in Afghanistan in 2019 uh, working on this documentary called Ghosts of Afghanistan.